Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest helps impact-driven female entrepreneurs to strategically launch new digital products or services in their business. She's a launch marketing strategist, boy mom, and parks and rec enthusiast. Launching is her jam. You can find her providing actionable strategies to female entrepreneurs in her free Facebook group, the Launch Builders Society for Women in Business. In her free time, she's also the host of Mama Build Your Empire, a podcast for mom bosses who are growing their business while raising their kids with special needs. Join me in welcoming Mia Francis Poulin. Hey, Mia. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. I am too. We're going to talk about launching products, course launching, program launches, things like that. Before we dive too deep into that, Tell me about like how you got into this. Like you didn't go to college for course launching. So how did that go? No, I did not go to college for course launching. I went to college for Shakespeare. Um, so <laughs> it's it's barely even related. I, I actually took one marketing course uh, in the entirety of undergrad. But uh, somehow after I graduated from undergrad, I ended up in a marketing department kind of doing copywriting um, for a health education company. And It was the best experience. I had the best mentors at that job who allowed me to learn as much as I wanted to learn about all kinds of copy related things. And the the thing that they were missing the most was the digital aspect. It was a very um, uh, old school type of marketing. They attended a ton of trade shows. It was built on, you know, their book of referrals. And so one day my director came to me and she was like, this social media thing, like, can you, can you go figure this out for me? And I was just like, sure, because I was the I was the most junior employee there. I was fresh out of college, and they were like, oh, she probably knows how to use the internet. <laughs> so um, I I dove into learning about digital marketing and just kind of grew my career from there. And when I left the corporate world after I'd worked my way up, I had this dream I was going to be a CMO and all that stuff, and just life made that not the path I was going to be on. Um, But when I left the corporate world, I was like, okay, if there are, if, what am I good at? What, what do I know? What do I like doing? And I knew that I liked, well, I loved copy. I loved writing copy. I loved telling stories. Um, But I also liked making sales. I love, I love the idea of conversion and using messaging to help someone increase their bottom line. It's, it's an exciting thing for me because you get that immediate win. I guess it activates that center in your brain, right? Yeah. Um, so when it was like, when I was figuring out and refining my business, you know, I, I went through a couple different um, stages of my business over the past two years. Uh, I landed into launch strategy and conversion copywriting where I've been kind of hanging out for the past 
almost year and it has been amazing. I love my work every day. <laughs> so. And I love hearing stories of just the winding roads that that bring us to where we ultimately are today, because I think it resonates with so many of our listeners. I'm similarly to you. Like I went to school for criminal justice. I've never taken a marketing course or a business course because growing up, it was like, ew, why would I want to do that? Like that does not sound fun to me, but here I am marketing away. So I love just other examples of people who stumble through whatever life throws at them and still find a way to, to, do what they love and be profitable doing it. So yeah, I come from a line of entrepreneurs too. Like my dad's an entrepreneur. He's owned several businesses throughout my life, but I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur just because, you know, I thought entrepreneurs, they knew things like accounting and finance and, you know, like all these things that I just had no interest in. Again, I majored in Shakespeare, like literally <laughs> so in undergrad. So uh, it was one of those, those things where when, the writing was on the wall that one, I had to still make an income for my family, regardless of if I was working a nine to five or something else. Uh, when that writing was on the wall, I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to make something happen. That means I got to go into business. So, and yeah. we both, we've talked about this before, kind of offline, but we outsource the things that we're not good at. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. you, if accounting is the thing that turned you off before, you're probably not doing the accounting for your business. You probably have somebody else to handle that. So, Oh, oh yes. And I, I am so thankful for my accountant because uh, she sits me down. She explains what's going on. So at least I have a knowledge of what's going on, but all the things that give me hives like taxes, <laughs> like, she handles that. And so I am so thankful. Yeah. Community is so important. Sure. So let's jump into the questions that we have about course launching. First, let's talk about size. Like how much does size matter when you're an entrepreneur Maybe you're not really proud of the size of your audience. How big of an audience do you need to have? Or is there such a thing as, as a too small of an audience to launch a product? No, there really, there, there really is not a such thing as a too small of an audience. I've had successful launches with a few hundred people in a Facebook group that have converted like crazy. Uh, and I've had people who have had thousands of people in their audience and it just really struggled to get the conversions. What matters the most is how you nurture that audience, the quality of the audience, the quality of the leads, and taking time to really, one, get to connect with them, especially if you have that smaller audience, you have the bandwidth to to do a little bit more personalized marketing. You have the ability, for instance, if you have a Facebook group, which I'm talking about Facebook groups a lot lately, just because Facebook is really emphasizing them. You know, if you have a Facebook group of 200 people, 300 people, you know, when people come in, you know, welcoming them personally, like welcoming them, sending them, sending them a message or tagging them in a welcome post, you know, as responding to their questions, responding to their comments, you have that bandwidth because you have have kind of a more intimate audience. And so what you're looking to do is you're looking to build up that intimacy um, rather than, and that, that is applicable, whether it's 300 to 3000, right? You want to foster that sense of connection because that's what people are really seeking for in this new age of internet marketing. So one thing we, you know, bringing up Facebook groups, my head was thinking about email, like email lists. When we're talking about audience size, does it matter where that audience lives? Like, should it, should you be focused on growing your email list or is a Facebook group enough? 
Well, I will always say that Facebook can shut its doors down at any time if it wanted to. So putting all your eggs in one basket is not my uh, advisable, not that advisable in my book. So I think you should definitely have multiple audiences, have your your audience in multiple places. However, one of the things you have to keep in mind is that the way that you communicate with your audience on email versus in a Facebook group, you're going to have different, uh, different ways that you talk with them, different ways that you convey, even if it's the same message, you're just going to present that message in different ways. So knowing what the, um, I call it the ethos of the, of the platform is email, you're sending one email directly to one person, even if it's on an email list, right? So that's a more intimate conversation. So the, the way that you talk to someone, you're talking one-to-one with them. Whereas in a Facebook group, yes, you're still, you still want people to be able to identify themselves in your messages and identify themselves in the content that you're creating. Um, but you know, you're in a group, you're, you're talking to a group. So it's, you, the trick is to figure out how to facilitate that one-on-one connection, even though people know that you're talking to them in different mediums. So diversify, get, get yes. people in as many places as possible, and then nurture them all in similar ways, but kind of adapted to the platform where they're at. Exactly. All right. So now that we're convinced that even these, even the listeners that have teeny tiny audiences, like you've got what it takes, right, to launch a product, let's talk about what actually goes into that process. So I know there's five stages that you teach and most people miss three of them, which is kind of incredible to me. And I think it lends to why people may struggle with this launch process. So can you walk us through those five steps? And also, um, I don't know if it's part of your walkthrough, but talk about the timeline, because I think that's another thing I encounter all the time as a marketer is people will come to me and they'll say, oh, I want to run these ads. I want to launch this thing um, in two weeks. Yeah. Can we talk about realistic timelines and then those five stages as well? However, that makes sense for for you. Yes. No, so absolutely. So in my world, the the average timeline to actually fully execute a launch is going to be three to six months, like minimum, right? Uh, Depending upon how well nurtured your audience is, how keyed in you are on what their needs are and what your product is and how well you've created a product for your audience, you're looking at three to six months. And so those five stages, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to tell you the stages and then I'm going to tell you the ones that people miss and it's going to be apparent why. So the five stages are your pre-pre-launch stage. This is where you're doing your market research. You're crafting your ideal customer avatar. You're figuring out where your audience lives and you're, you're creating that plan uh, to get them into your environment, whether that is your Facebook group on your email list through Pinterest or, or all three or whatever. Um, that's in that phase, right? And that you're basically setting the foundation of the actual launch in the pre pre launch phase. The second phase, you can probably guess what it's called. It's pre-launch. So basically, now that you've figured out what your audience, and I keep this really simple for a reason, because people people miss these things. They really do. But in that pre-launch phase, you've done all the work of figuring out who that ideal customer avatar is. You've done all the work of, of going into uh, your market and figuring out what language they're using, uh, what their real objections are, what are those barriers to their goals that they're, that they're encountering. Uh, and you've done that work of figuring out how you can step in to help guide them to that resolution of that problem. You've done all that work. You've gotten them into the place that you've decided you're going to, you're going to have them. Now it's time to nurture them before you have anything to sell to them, right? Because people are very keen on being sold to. And the thing that we have to remember, I I was, I was, um, I follow a, a, a sales, um, mentor and 
one of the things that she emphasizes is that Ryan Dowdy is, is who I'm talking about. One of the things that she emphasizes is that we have to earn the right to ask for the sale. You can't just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I have this thing. Give me $500. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way in real life. And, and if, it, if it didn't work in real life, you shouldn't do it online either, right? And so you're nurturing your audience before you have anything to sell to them. You're, you're speaking their language. You're getting to know them. Uh, you're taking that time. The, the next phase is the ramp up. So this is what people think of when they think of launching. It's that, you know, two week, four to four week period where you host some type of launch event, whether that's a challenge, a webinar or a special opt-in or whatever. And you're, you're, you're ramping up to that. And then you have the boom, doors are open and now I'm promoting, I'm promoting, I'm promoting, right? So that lamp, that ramp up is that time where you're doing that event. And then the launch is that nurturing quote unquote, between the events and when your cart closes, if you have an open cart, closed cart or some type of discount, something like that. And then that fifth stage is going to be the post-launch stage. And that's where you're going to take the time to look at your data, to assess what went well, to look at your opens, look at your click-throughs and figure out what actually happened here. Right. And that is so vital because you need your data. You need that information to know what changes you need to make. And part of that is also asking people, why did you buy or why didn't you buy? Right. That's a part of the process that a lot of people, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with because they're like, if, especially if your launch doesn't go well, they're just like, ah, oh, it didn't go well. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to move on and be, you know, go on with life. And while that's a, that's a mechanism to get through disappointment, <laughs> right. Cause it's disappointing when a launch doesn't go well. Right. The thing to remember is that if to, to, to actually get to the goal, that launches, they take several versions to be able to, to get the one that hits, right? And it's supposed to be an iterative process, right? You're launching something, maybe you get crickets, out what didn't go well, you launch it again, do better, right? Because you're learning. It's a learning process. So those are those five stages. And the three that people miss, you could probably guess, but they don't do the market research. They're, they're not really clear on their ICA. Um, they're, they're not doing the research on the product. They are just creating a product because they're like, I think that this will work. And I think people will love it, which sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't, right? The, the nurture, the nurture stage. And a lot of the time this, that the reason why this is uh, missed is because people are just resource strapped. You know, they're, they're in the mode of sell, 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 because I mean, we all got to eat, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, we do. I mean, for me, you know, when I when I first started my business, you know, it was like, all right, I have a little bit of runway, but my student loan bills will come in every month. So, you know, um, and so they but they miss that nurture that nurture time where they're literally just getting to know the audience that they're building, the individuals within their audience. They miss that because it's it's hard to see uh, the return on that when it's not a direct return, but the return comes. I promise you, and so. They'll do the ramp up, they'll do the launch, but they will not assess the data. They will not look at what went well. They will not use that information to create a, a new plan for the next time. So that, that's the, that's, those are the five stages. I will get off my soapbox now. <laughs> well, I, I do have a question um, that I'm going to throw at you. And I want to know if you have recommendations. So for the entrepreneur who, like, like you said, we've all been there. We got to feed our families. And a lot of times I think we maybe we step sooner than we should. We weren't really financially ready to jump into entrepreneurship. And so we need to turn a buck. What are your recommendations for in the meantime? Like, do you have a strategy for here's a way, whether it's selling a tripwire offer or taking one-on-one clients, like, do you have a preferred strategy for pulling in some money while you're working on this launch? 
Yes. So my recommendation for anybody in that that <clears throat> stage is one-on-one client work is the quickest way to have the most impact on your bottom line because it's easier to to I guess convince one person to sign on with you than it is to convince you know at you know a thousand dollars five thousand dollars whatever it is that's an easier process because you're talking one on one with one person versus talking to you know ten fifteen twenty people to get them to purchase your course or your group program or whatever it may be and so when you are looking when you're in that situation starting with one on one services which I recommend starting with one on one services for a couple of reasons, I'll get them to them um, in a second, but starting with one-on-one services really is the way to have the most impact on your bottom line. So, uh, and plus one-on-one work, especially it helps you refine your process. It helps you figure out more about your ideal customer avatar, where your one-on-one clients fit into your customer journey compared to say a person that may be ready for another type of program that you're looking to buy. Uh, they're, they're valuable referral partners. You know, it's, 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 there's power in the one-on-one connections. Yeah. And so I love that. That's something that I always recommend too. That's the way I started my business was starting with one-on-one clients and it's almost its own form of market research. Right. And the other part of it is that launching and and all of it, it's all marketing. It's all a scientific process too. There's an art to marketing for sure. That's what I I love to do with my copywriting and and figuring out the art of words, but it's also also extremely scientific, right? You put out a hypothesis, you test the hypothesis and either it's proven or it's disproven, you know, back to the scientific method, right? So you have a theory about what will work. You have a theory about your clients, about your customers. You, you do research to figure out if that is actually a validated assumption. And then you put the offer out and it works or, or, you know, it doesn't. So, but you have to do that research process. That's, that's the vital part of it. If you, the, for the success of your offer, you have to do that research first. I'd love to know in your, your fifth step, remind me again what you called it. I'm sorry. Post-launch. Post-launch. And which totally makes sense, right? Like, duh. But in the post-launch phase, you had mentioned before, um, finding out, you know, why people didn't buy. Do you have a recommended strategy for that? Like, are you reaching out to people one-on-one? Are you sending them some kind of survey? Yeah. So one, one, um, method that I've actually found really effective is, uh, if you have an email list, sending out an email to them after the doors have closed, everything has, has calmed down, but before your next regularly scheduled message and just sending them an email that just says, Subject line, quick question. And it's a short, like five line email. Hey, I noticed that you weren't on, on the registration list for such and such program. Just wanted to shoot over a quick message to ask why. And then you give them four, three, four options, whether it's, I thought the price was too high is one option, or I didn't think it would work for me, or I didn't see the value or, you know, something else. I'm at a different stage in my business or. Exactly, exactly. And so, and then you, what I do is I actually hyperlink those options and they, they click the option. It takes them to a landing page and it puts them into a tag, a tag group in my email service provider. This is getting really technical, but this is what I do. And so, um, and, and so once they click that tag option, I'm able to go back and see of the people who opened this, the people who took the time to, to tag it or whatever. Um, I know that 
X amount percentage, they were just like, the price was just simply too high. Another percentage was just like, I didn't see the value, which means if they didn't see the value, I didn't articulate the value of the product uh, well enough. So that means I know I need to go back and refine my messaging or I need to go back and, 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 and rethink this product angle, you know? So it gives you that really, really keen data. And it's not a really big ask for them, like filling out a survey, which you could do. You could have them do a quick survey. Um, but that's my quickest way to get um, feedback. And just to give credit where credit's due, I got that info from my dear friend and A-list copywriter, Abby Parrots. So it's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the little shout outs. Like, here's where I came from. Uh, you're better than me. Usually I forget. I'm like, someone told me that. I don't know. I'm a researcher, so I'm always like, cite your sources. <laughs> so. I No, I love the idea of having the links. I know I um I subscribe to John Loomer as a Facebook expert. He does that a lot where he's like, click a link. And I do think that the, I'm curious about your response rate, but I have a feeling that that's going to be better than, like a survey just takes way too much time. And I feel like it sounds exhausting from the user. And even like hitting reply, and mm-hmm. sending an email back can be time consuming, but a simple click. So I'm curious if you have the data or even if you have just like a guess what the response rate for that tends to be. And I'm also curious if you do um, any additional follow up or if you just use that for a statistical measure. Yeah. So on average, I get like a 30 to 40% click through rate on those. Like, so, cause it's just a link. And the thing about right. it with like anything is that you want to reduce the barriers that people, you know, the, reduce the hoops people have to jump through with anything, right? Like whether that's like setting up your sales page or, you know, giving information on you know, how to access something, the more clicks people have to do, the more you're going to have people fall out of your funnel. Right. And so Reducing the barriers, that's like, that's the main idea there. And the easiest way for me to, to get the information that I want was to, to have this format. So yeah, I have a pretty, pretty good click through rate on those. Yeah. And so, um, because people, you know, people, if you just ask them, Hey, it's a quick thing. Like just, just click this fine. And as for the follow-up, I, I actually do, um, send out a follow-up response. It depends on the type of fu- uh, type of funnel that I'm, I've built. You know, if it's a, if they're brand new to me and they didn't convert on that first, um, that first offer, um, I'll ask them, I'll send like a quick follow-up email, like, Hey, I just want to make sure that you're, you're interested in what I have to say. Let me know. Uh, what type of content do you want to, to hear from me? And I'll do the same thing. I'll give them links that they just have to click. Um, mm-hmm. I want to hear about conversion copywriting. I want to know about launch strategy. I want to know about, you know, your kids and your really cute dog. Like, you know, what, you know, whatever the options are, I give them those options and then I will, I will send them, um, a shadow, I call it a shadow sequence a few emails that will kind of nurture them on the thing that they've indicated they want they want information on so they're not actually in my main list this is all email strategy here but they're not actually on my main list uh until they've completed that nurture that shadow nurture sequence all right well that's really i mean that took a little spin that i didn't think it was going to take but it doesn't really surprise me because when i think of you i think of emails yeah so emails and facebook groups that's what i think about yeah so i just kind of want to kind of want to recap a little bit the first step is the pre-pre-launch. Yep. And I've been through a program with you where you lead like the developing the ICA, which stands for Ideal Customer Avatar. Is that yep. right? I always forget exactly what it stands for. Um, <laughs> so a really great way to figure out exactly who your one person is that you should be speaking to. 
-hmm. and where they are and things like that. And then the Mm pre-launch. Yeah, that's where you're nurturing that audience that you've built uh, in the places that you've decided that they're going to interact with you. The places where you decided you're going to build your community. So whether that's your Facebook group and your email list, or that's your Facebook page and, you know, Pinterest, wherever it is, you, this is the time where you, before you're selling them anything, you're getting to know them, you're communicating with them, you're providing value, you're educating all that great stuff. And I like how, when we talked about this initially, it was like, people can smell the sale. Yeah. So it's like, just to get to know your people. And how long do you think those two stages take ish. So if you are starting from scratch, if you're building, you're building this from the ground up, I say, give yourself the the longer of the time options. So give yourself the six months before you okay. start selling to them. So stage one and stage two might take a month or two. Um, okay. I would say, give yourself two months to kind of figure out your audience and to nurture them and talk to them without being like, I'm going to sell you something. And then we're going into the actual, the ramp up phase. Which is where you're doing challenges and really trying to get people psyched up and ready to work with you. Then you've got your launch and then the numbers. Yeah. And I love your strategy with the email. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really powerful stuff. I that's my go-to strategy for for most of my clients now. So it's good stuff. I really encourage everybody if you know if you don't have a digital product, you know, you have knowledge. And sometimes it's the stuff that seems so easy to you, but it's not easy to other people. Mm -hmm. So like you've got knowledge, it's figuring out what knowledge you have that other people need and putting it into some sort of a course or a digital product. It's a great way to earn some um, additional income, a new income stream, passive income, all of that good stuff. And once you're ready to do that, where can they get like deep dives into all of your strategy? Where do you want them to connect with you? So the number one place to connect with me is my Facebook group It is the Launch Builder Society for Women in Business because I have an emphasis on empowering women in business. Um, and that is where I go live. I provide all kinds of free trainings um, and all, on all things around launching, conversion copywriting, sales copywriting, that building funnels. That's where I spend a majority of my time. I love interacting in there. So it's a great group. I am in there as well. Thank you, Meg. (laughs) Um, We will definitely link to that in the show notes. So if people don't get the name or whatever, just right. And then what about other, other social media channels that where they can find you? I know you're not an Instagrammer. I'm not an Instagrammer. That's another pot. That's another podcast episode. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can check me out on my website. Um, I actually have a free mini course on there. My website is racreative.co. Racreative is the name of my business. And uh, I have a free mini course called the map method where basically I'm diving really deep into all five of these stages on how oh, to good. map out your next launch. And so that is up on there. So you can access that on the on my website again racreative.co and uh, also I'm on LinkedIn I'm actually spending a lot of time outside of my Facebook group I'm spending a lot of time on LinkedIn and um, getting to know other business owners on LinkedIn so you can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Mia Francis Poulin so all in word awesome 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 well I think this is so helpful I hope everybody has taken away some you know nuggets of knowledge that they can apply towards launching their next digital product and you know either creating another income stream if you don't already have one in your business is going to be huge yes for sure thank you so much thank you meg i appreciate you oh. that's it for today's episode of the familypreneur podcast 
You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It only takes a moment, and let's be honest, it helps other parent entrepreneurs know how amazing this podcast really is. 